We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, $749.99, APR. One offer per account. Hello everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Radio. My name's Colm Kelly. I am filling in as host on today's show for Mr. Pat Crane, who is on his vacation, a well-deserved rest from hosting duties for him. And uh, I'll be here today. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm delighted to be joined by the regular co-host here on the show, Rotoviz co-owner, Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can find on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. How are you doing, Sean? Great, looking forward to uh, a big week here, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to certainly be busy, both uh, from just the, the website's point of view and Rotoviz Radio. I know we have a real full slate of podcasts coming up this week. It, it was a little bit quieter, maybe for the last two weeks, but it is really going to be action-packed this week up there on RV Radio, and I have no doubt that the site is going to be the same. And the site has been pretty busy anyway, just uh, with all the draft coverage going on. It's uh, just a great time of year. Uh, it's always great when you're involved in the fantasy football community. So I have to say as well, just before we start uh, really getting into the 
topics. Uh, it's gonna, it's an honor and a privilege for myself here to, to be a part of uh, the Road of His Radio flagship show. I know I'm part of the network, uh, you know, doing the other podcast, working behind the scenes, but uh, Sean uh, asked me to, to come on here and uh, to give some of my opinions on the show. So I am very, very humbled at that. So uh, thanks, Sean, for that one. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you on. You've been doing <laughs> fantastic work on, on the other shows and, and, uh, you know, you're almost certainly going to be an upgrade on on Pat and me. Oh, don't be don't be too down on yourself. And uh, Pat is uh, absolutely awesome at all the work he does. So hopefully he's enjoying the vacation time if he does get a chance to listen and do us here. So we'll kick off the show. We have lots of topics to cover, but I think we need to start with the big game that everyone's talking about this week. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway, Sean, from the the Pro Bowl? Oh, the Pro Bowl, always the uniforms. I think that it's a big win for uniform makers, and much like the Thursday night games, what I get out of it is the brightness off the screen. I think that if the teams gave us more to root for specifically, uh, maybe some of the teams like the Ravens, for example, they I, I think they would have managed to sustain their success after their Super Bowl victory better if they took a little bit of a pointer from the Pro Bowl there. Yeah, nice bright uniforms and of course uh, the big game everyone's really talking about this week is the Super Bowl, but we'll be touching on that uh, later on the show. First we're going to look at a a couple of uh, items and articles that have been up on rotaviz.com over the last couple of weeks and uh, one that was up that really caught my eye was the the Dynasty mock draft that was up the startup mock with the first round going up there. Uh, Sean, I'll let you go first and have the floor on it based on uh, maybe some of the best values or some of the most controversial picks. Is there, is there any of them that really stood out for you just when you got the first glimpse of it that you thought maybe that guy's too high or that guy's too low? Yeah, we asked the, the guys to uh, nominate who they felt their own most controversial picks were or the picks that they were getting some feedback on Twitter uh, that stood out. And, and from those, there were three that really jumped out to me that I think are interesting, not necessarily controversial from a perspective of being way too high or way too low, but uh, picks that generate definitely generate some conversation. And the first was Juju Smith-Schuster at 305. You've got a player here who, coming into the season, I think people were much lower on him. He tended to fall outside the first round in in rookie drafts this, this last summer. So when you have a player who is not even getting picked in the first round. And, and we have all kinds of, of data showing that, you know, after first round picks in, in rookie drafts, that the value there uh, just falls off a cliff. It doesn't mean you can't hit on someone. This was obviously a very good year for several people who came from outside the first round, but you have that drop off. So someone who was viewed in a certain way a year ago, it can be difficult for people to turn around their analysis on that player. Well, Smith Schuster is an interesting guy in that, the two big red flags, I think, for him were this final season in college where he struggled, he had some injuries, and then uh, really lost some of the market share back to his teammates, along with just having a lot less raw production. And then he goes to the off-season workouts and just does not test like an elite athlete. And so anytime you're using one of those first-round dynasty picks, uh, first-round rookie picks, and then an early pick in a startup, you're usually looking for a guy who – can can really dominate someone like a calvin johnson a julio jones you know you're not going to get that kind of player very often but you compare them to smith schuster as an athlete and you've got this gigantic gap on the other hand we look at smith schuster as a producer and he's been very impressive he had the early breakout as a college player and he was young for each year he was in college and then he has this breakout as a rookie and we're going to talk about it several different times in the show but every year i do an article looking at the wide receiver breakouts, just a, a sort of straightforward piece, getting trying to help calibrate our expectations 
for when people have broken out and what they've done subsequently. And it probably comes as no surprise that wide receivers who break out as rookies go on to much better careers than people from those other groups. So they have a big advantage on year three breakouts or year four breakouts, not only in terms of the long term, but even you know just next season. So I think Smith-Schuster's outlook is better than people think. And at 305, he was the 17th wide receiver off the board. I think you can make an argument for him even much earlier. Where would you be looking to take Smith-Schuster? I think that uh, a lot of – I was lucky enough in a lot of drafts last year that I was pretty high on him, got uh, some very good values on him in those rookie drafts, as you mentioned, where he was falling. I think when – if you look at just the production he's had, you know, a lot of people were high on Martavis Bryant over his production for the last two or three years. But what he – has done obviously off the field has been a major concern for him and then Juju Smith-Schuster came in and he fitted in there along with Antonio Brown and he pretty much like the, the way Big Ben went to him on uh, just such important occasions this year shows the, the faith that they have in him as a receiver and his hands and his ability and I just think that what the team is showing obviously uh, helps support what he's going to likely do moving forward in fantasy football I think the, the talent is uh, certainly there, as you mentioned, with the breakout age. It's such a, a young age at college. He's still so, so young. I think uh, still under 21. Uh, is that correct? I think just turned 21. Yeah. I think his production this year is the most success of a player under 21, though. I think uh, I heard that somewhere over the last couple of weeks uh, prior to uh, his 21st birthday. So, you know, you've, play- you've had players that have come in like Randall Cobb, very young breakout age, but it's kind of faded off. But I think when you look at him versus you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, I think there's a difference in their, the play. There's a lot more physicality with Schuster, and he's been used in the red zone very, very uh, consistently. I do think 305 is an interesting spot for him. I think it's pretty fair based on, you know, what he did throughout the season you kind of get that first round through and there's a lot of you know they expected names there but once you start to go down into that third round into that late second round there's a lot of players that are up for opinion between the third round and the fifth round do you feel that that's kind of a true balance that between that kind of late second kind of maybe early sixth there's a lot of players there that could be switched up just based on your opinion of a certain player that could you know you could end up taking them in certain drafts in the fifth round and they're going in third round in certain other drafts there's definitely a big drop after sort of the middle of the second round, late second round. I really like the talent you can get in those first four rounds. And so your first four round picks need to be locks for you. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they would be the same for someone else. But your first four guys, they have to be players who can be foundation players for your team. And, you know, you want to be looking at those guys as having a lot of different boxes that they check that you're going to feel confident that they can they can anchor that squad for a long, long time. And that kind of brings us into our second controversial player, um, a different type of player than Smith Schuster drafted seven picks later in our draft, Robert Woods. And he was a, a fifth year breakout and a very young fifth year breakout coming out of college also very early. But in looking back at the last 16 years, we had 13 guys who broke out uh, in their fifth season and just for the definition there, using 200 PPR points as that threshold, which roughly corresponds to a wide receiver two season. So you get these guys that are fitting in there, very clear in the lineup types of players. Nine of those 13 players were coming off of a team switch. So they'd had their first four seasons. They came up for free agency. They moved to a new team and then you know really took off with that new team and so then robert woods would be the example of that guy this year where he moves from the bills to the rams and somewhat surprisingly since the rams have 
some competition for targets there had an excellent season. So then, you know, you look at these players and what they do subsequently, and you've got some big names like Emmanuel Sanders, Joe Horn, Derek Mason, Julian Edelman, Doug Baldwin. They go on to have very good careers. The rest of the guys basically immediately fall back off the map. So when you're looking at Robert Woods, you kind of have to make that determination. Is he going to be a guy who uh, very suddenly now is among the elite that you would very feel very comfortable with at 312? Or do you still have this huge risk that he will disappear again next season? No, I'm I'm pretty confident in Robert Woods. Uh, you know, early on in the season this year, I was kind of keeping an eye on him in the off season. But as the season really started, the first couple of weeks, I really dived in big, and I'm, I picked him up in a couple of leagues. Uh, uh, you know, pretty pretty cheap early on compared to what you would get him for now. He is only 25 years old, so you mentioned him having uh, five years in the league now, and uh, you know, so he's you know his birthday is going to be uh, October, so he's still going to be 25 as we enter this season. Uh, I think over his career, the high draft capital will high enough, in my opinion, 41st overall pick in 2013 but when you look back through his years even in Buffalo he pretty much uh, didn't play full seasons any year and the same thing happened this year again 12 games this year but prior to that uh, he had one 16 game season the rest were 13 14 and 14 but look at his production throughout it uh, at least 40 catches in all those seasons at least 500 yards in all those seasons uh, so pretty much then the lowest yards per game he had in that time was in 2015 39.4 and his average per reception has been pretty steadily it's been over 10 and 10.8 in every season but he's had you know 13.9 this year but his rookie season he did have 14.7 the big big difference this year compared to those other years was the touchdown production uh, he had two 100 yard games this year but he did have five touchdowns which matched his career high so I think overall like we kind of seen a trend in this direction but if he played in a full 16 game uh, sample size this year playing in those 12 you know, you're likely looking that he's going to hit uh, seven receptions or more and then he's closing in then on a thousand yards and if he can bump that or even keep that five touchdowns uh, for the season I think there's a, a huge significant value there but what I think is interesting with guys like Robert Woods when they have this production after not being a massive production in their career prior to it just being kind of you know a, a wide receiver three four kind of player and then this year he has a much much more productive year the interesting thing always moving forward is can he sustain that sometimes when your expectations are lower and a player comes in and does uh, you know achieve some far of an increase in uh, production your opinion can change very quickly whereas if you had a player you know on the opposite side of the spectrum like Sammy Watkins who we expect so much of but it just hasn't worked out for him so far with injuries and then with the move this year it looks like he will be staying with the Buffalo for the next season but it's you know that kind of way of uh, adjusting your perception based on where you had these players valued over the last couple of seasons so I do feel that it is a fair value for him there, but the interesting thing will be in dynasty terms uh, what they do. Obviously, Cooper Cup's going to be there, a young rookie, and then you know Sammy Watkins, as I mentioned, does he uh, get an extension with the with the Rams and moving forward? The, the exciting thing is obviously the offense. Sean McVay. I think we wouldn't be as excited if we said Jeff Fisher here. So there is uh, the opportunity long term to buy into this LA Rams uh, offense, and uh, I think there's going to be nice production with them moving forward. Is do you do you feel like it is an offense to be buying into, and, and particularly? Into dynasty it's definitely an offense to buy into it it does you know you you list off those players and then you think in terms of the passing offense todd Gurley is going to get a decent number of targets you also have some young tight ends who didn't make a big impact this year but a player like gerald everett might be coming on the next season or the season after that to play a, a fairly large role so you do start to run into some volume issues and then it's a question of which player is going to suffer from that and this past year obviously it was Watkins who suffered and uh, to think of both of those guys being in Buffalo both now being with the Rams and 
Watkins actually going at 408 in this draft, so going after Woods. Uh, it would be hard to have ever foreseen a scenario, uh, you know, a year ago, two years ago, yeah. where you'd be in a draft where Woods would go before Watkins. But certainly based on their performance this season and the way they're used in this offense, uh, it, it it looks justified. Yeah, it is justified. I think still, I would still go back to the argument that if it looks, if it's a player for player based on ability and talent, I would still think Sammy Watkins is the better player. But you have to go at some point in their career, you have to just go in usage. And that's what I mentioned with Schuster. He's getting that usage. The team trusts him. Obviously, there's some reason why the team was going with Robert Woods over Sammy Watkins. So we'll see what happens moving forward. The other player that was quite interesting is a player who, you know, is particularly in Dynasty, a lot of people who own him in their Dynasty leagues have probably held on to him for the last two or three years. And that is Josh Gordon, who at 402 so just right after that start of the fourth round uh, right after players like Alshon Jeffrey but before players like Demarius Thomas Will Fuller and Devin Funches out of those kind of list of wide receivers that I mentioned who would you prefer out of those is there one that really stands out for you or do you think you would prefer Josh Gordon over the rest I like Gordon over the two players who are sandwiched around him there in Jeffrey and Thomas. I do think Will Fuller is very interesting. He was a player who was taken two picks before my selection, and it would have been very difficult for me there, uh, choosing between Will Fuller and Evan Ingram, although Ingram certainly, you know, a very good consolation prize in that spot. Will Fuller, I think, still has a much wider range of outcomes than the rest of those guys, perhaps with with the exception of Josh Gordon, you're looking at two players there who next season could go out and have, you know, 1500 yards and, you know, 13, 14 touchdowns, or it might end up mostly as um, vertical players who are used as decoys in their offenses. Certainly Gordon, the market share of the volume that he had late in the season, especially when he's competing with an early pick that they took and had high hopes for until he really fizzled down the stretch talking about Corey Coleman. When you take that volume away from him very quickly, that's a sign that he's able to come back and, and, and be himself. And I think that was always the big question. It's even for someone like Josh Gordon, it's an amazing accomplishment to be away from the NFL that long and step back in almost as if nothing had happened. You hadn't missed a day. Um, so, uh, in that context, it's it's very very exciting. You saw what he did in his in his big breakout season. Although he wasn't extremely efficient that year, perhaps not surprisingly, playing with the Cleveland Browns, and it was on huge volume. So the question then is, can he get that gigantic volume going forward in an offense and for a team that has more question marks and is really more of a train wreck than any other team in the NFL? Yeah, uh, Josh Gordon is just one of those you know conundrums if he can stay out of trouble off the field uh, you know there's no doubt about the ability on the field but as you mentioned coming back in after the time away and just looking so natural that first game back or the second game back when he played the Chargers you know up against Casey Hayward who uh, was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL this season and just uh, toasted him in a couple of plays looked uh, really really good so you mentioned Coleman as well Coleman is somebody who I've been selling off in all my dynasty leagues uh, over the last couple of months just uh, as you mentioned the way they changed the production switched the offense straight over to Garden uh, I thought was a, a clear sign there as to how they felt about Coleman Coleman's uh, production and usage this season but uh, I'm I'm still I'm still an Alshon Jeffrey supporter I, you know I, I've kind of followed him uh, from Chicago to the Eagles and I, I even bought more of him last offseason and then he obviously got rewarded with the extension I think when you're looking at Dynasty as well you have to take into consideration a little bit that long-term value of having Alshon Jeffrey locked into that contract for the next kind of three to four seasons and then Josh Gordon with his off-the-field concerns just taking that all into consideration I probably still would give Alshon Jeffrey the nod and it's really that's a safe a safety call 
I don't know about you, Sean. Uh, I, I'm a player who kind of stays averse from players who have had those kind of drug suspensions, PED suspensions, because the players do tend to fall back into that trap again. I, I know Josh Gordon's been back in, Martavis Bryant's been back in this this time, but we've seen you know Josh Gordon in the past has fallen back into it. Martavis Bryant has got himself in trouble a couple of times. We've seen guys like Justin Blackman. You know, it's a very hard one to just make sure you shake it fully. Do you do you you know try and factor that into your uh, drafting in dynasty leagues? When the players are currently out, they tend to be off my board entirely. Not that there wouldn't be a spot I might consider them, but they, they'll almost always go before I think you can legitimately consider them. Charles Klein-Hexel has written a very good article, um, both for Roto World and some work on Rotoviz, talking about the likelihood of players coming back from suspensions. And it's just very difficult. I have uh, a share for uh, Justin Blackman in one of my dynasty leagues that I, I keep around on IR just to you know, sort of continue to root for him, remind myself that I had him and, and look at that. I do think in a situation where someone has made it all the way back to where Gordon is, that he becomes much more palatable and, and much more interesting. And, and partly uh, simply, you know, knowing um, and having relationships with people who have had struggles with this kind of thing and, and how difficult it is and how hard you root for them. Um, someone who's come back to where Josh Gordon is, I, I think I can certainly take the leap and, and root with him. And, you know, whether or not he's the right move there for me does not actually come down to um, further suspension. It's more simply a matter of can he at his age in that offense legitimately be a factor who scores enough more points than someone like a Will Fuller who looked phenomenal in the stretches this season is going to be locked in uh, going forward with Deshaun Watson in an offense that could be incredibly explosive. And I think you're looking at the potential for DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller to both be wide receiver ones simultaneously next year in that offense. Uh, with a difference in age and perhaps the difference in safety from some other non-suspension kinds of issues, I think I might go away from Josh Gordon there. Yeah, and a, a really a really good uh, piece there, so make sure you check that one out. Next up, I want to talk about uh, some of the 2018 prospects, so kind of how they fit in as rookies, and we might look as to how we'll uh, fit them into the overall dynasty picture. The the RV team have again been doing an awesome job. There's so much great content up over the last couple of weeks on the prospects and those, you know, the, the draft uh, look-aheads, and uh, we want to kind of highlight some of Jordan Hoover's work, the 2018 rookie rankings that he has done. What are some of the, the main player questions uh, to answer this offseason, and uh, have you some of the the guys there who you think are potential potential sleepers and where you would be fitting them into your overall uh, dynasty 100 yeah i always try and take in as many different rankings as possible especially from people like jordan who are as familiar with all the players and as capable and uh, competent in in fantasy itself so very good fantasy players and have both that sort of um, scouting analytics background but also play fantasy very successfully so when jordan puts out his rankings i always i always take um, very close notice and one of the things i thought was interesting is that he has james washington and Cortland sutton at two and three after the obvious number one there with barkley one of the things i'm interested in following is this sort of contrast between productive seniors versus unproductive underclassmen. Now, we've written in the past on the site and uh, some other uh, very good authors have written in the past, you know, for Football Outsiders, some different places like that, about this difference between younger prospects, older prospects, and then prospects who declare early versus those who don't. And 
whether or not a, a prospect declares early actually makes a pretty huge difference in terms of what their production is likely to be going forward. And I think that one of the things that you see there is you see both this element of age, which obviously the early declares tend to be younger, but then also this element of experience. So you're really drawing in both of those important factors. And I've got an article that's going to come out here in the next week or so looking at specifically this one issue and isolating this one issue and looking at players who are drafted 11 to 32 versus players who are drafted in the second round. And I say 11 to 32 because the expectation based on draft pick falls off so sharply that you really want to separate out that top 10. And certainly there are different ways to do it where you could look at the exact value from each spot, but just separating out that top 10, which really has different expectations. And by the way, are almost all early declares. Now we can look at at the difference here and look at seniors versus players who declared early. And it's really pretty shocking because players who declared early uh, and were drafted in the second round in the last 16 years have actually outscored first round picks in that 11 to 32 range who are seniors. And then you see the same thing in the second, in the second and third round where third round early declares outscore second round seniors. And that's pretty surprising when you consider how big of a role the draft position plays when we're projecting out fantasy players. No, it definitely is. And, uh, you know, when it comes to those uh, rookie picks, you know, people talking about what to do with their uh, dynasty rookie picks in their draft, you know, the third round, fourth round picks, I'm one that I tend to trade them away a lot uh, or else I actually try and acquire them and use them as uh, kind of lottery picks. But there's so much difference. Like once you go past those first kind of five picks in rookie drafts, it's really a lottery after that. uh, And it can be very, very tough to decide. I think a lot depends as well, obviously, uh, on where the players land and the landing spots around them. We already mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster, but obviously if you're playing in an offense with, you know, opposite Antonio Brown with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball, it really helps you. Uh, You know, at this point, you're looking obviously at the talent and where you think players might go but at what point then do you see this uh, real shake up after the draft is there any players that if they find an ideal landing spot that you think could really jump up uh, in terms of the dynasty rookie rankings i think you're looking at, at landing spot for almost all of these running backs and so it'll be very interesting to see where guys chubb jones all of those players land um, jordan has royce freeman at 16 and i think that is an interesting pick just in terms of Freeman being a very controversial player where I think he's a possible even top five rookie pick, especially if he goes somewhere where he could have immediate opportunity. There are definitely some teams out there like that. And Freeman has that um, less exciting sort of running style in some ways, more of a a Jordan Howard kind of style. Uh, But you have to consider that players like Le'Veon Bell were considered to be very, very boring coming out of college. And even someone like David Johnson was considered to be even a potential H-back, someone who didn't run up the middle well. And Freeman, you look at his incredible collegiate production where he set all of these Pac-12 records and very impressive early production where he was a star right from the first day he stepped on the field as a freshman. And then you look at the fact that he was able to succeed in all areas he put up huge yardage numbers but also big scoring numbers both um, in a younger more explosive Oregon offense and then certainly when their quarterback was healthy this season he put up some big touchdown numbers but then also someone who was involved in the passing game so I think he can be one of those big hybrid backs where once you start to get a big back who can also catch passes then they just have a lot more margin to where I think not as many things have to go right for them to score fantasy points if they're going to be used in multiple 
the walls. Yeah, and so, sometimes those guys then they can go at the, the back end of the rounds, go into them better teams, obviously get the opportunity to get in the red zone a little bit more. So it's always interesting once the draft happens to, to really see where we expect uh, these guys to switch up in those rookie drafts. Uh, obviously, there are two uh, things that I mentioned that are up on rotaviz.com at the moment. At the moment, for listening to Rotoviz Radio, you can save yourself 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to the podcast homepage, that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Click on there and that automatically saves saves you 30% off your Rotoviz NFL pass uh, with that discount. It obviously gets you access through the end of next season. So get in there, get all the great content that's up there at the moment, and obviously get ready for the 2018 season. We'll take you all the way through that with the great apps and all the content we have got going on. So more great stuff that's up there includes uh, the free agent articles, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that now. Who are some of the most uh, you know kind of compelling guys that you're looking to see where they uh, might move to some of the free agents coming up here and uh, what teams should we be really uh, focusing on for kind of free agency if we're trying to whether it's in redraft or whether we're trying to buy some value uh, pre-free agency in dynasty well you mentioned in your notes kirk cousins uh alan robinson uh, carlos hyde and then some potential cut or trade candidates like jordy nelson and alex smith and that's one of the things that we're doing in the free agency series that i would encourage people uh, to look at is that we have the free agents and ideas about where they're going to go and what fits might be for players coming in but also looking at players who are likely cut candidates so you can get a sense of which other players might be on the move someone like a jordy nelson and, and neil dutton especially has written a lot of these articles and is doing a fantastic job with them uh, he's suggesting that he thinks Jordy will stay. And and I also think that that's the case, but certainly they have some interesting uh, questions there with both Nelson and then Randall Cobb. Looking at the quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, a difficult situation there with the franchise tag in Washington and how they continue to play out that soap opera. Then you also have Alex Smith in Kansas city where he's coming off of arguably his best season. Uh, The chiefs again, flop in the playoffs for chiefs fans. It's yet another season where they've actually defeated both of the playoff teams uh, during the regular season, but we're not able to make it there themselves. Uh, So where do you see those guys going? We have, The Cleveland Browns, the Jets, the Vikings, teams with a lot of cap space, the Vikings have some difficult decisions to make because they actually have three different quarterbacks who are looking at uh, different scenarios in free agency. And then we have a team like the Denver Broncos that doesn't have as much cap space, would have to be more creative. There were lots uh, of news reports today talking again about how they would like to trade Aqib Tlaib because they have a lot of money tied up in their corners. Uh, The Broncos are going to make a big move. But we don't know exactly what type of move it would be. Where where do you like Cousins and Smith? Well, I think if you're looking, you know, obviously it's an end division move, so it'll be hard for them to, to get a deal with the Chiefs to get Smith unless they do cut him. The, the interesting one is Kurt Cousins, who actually prior to the, the trade deadline, it was actually on the day of the trade deadline last year, uh, I had a, a couple of people come and, uh, you know, tell me about uh, reports going on that uh, the Denver Broncos were trying to trade for Kurt Cousins at that time. So obviously it would have been very tough for them to manage the cap mid-season, but they obviously had some interest at that time. So it'll be interesting to see if that interest uh, progresses this off-season. Uh, I think if they 
could get Smith there in Denver. I think he probably fits this offense a little bit more. It is less of a down the field passing offense, you know, with guys like Demarius Thomas who you can get on those uh, you know shorter screen passes and get things moving. Demary, uh, same with Emmanuel Sanders. I think Kurt Cousins. Though, if you know, if you look at where ideally, if you were looking at a team who could really use uh, that quarterback and have that cap space, you mentioned there the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think if he went there, it would be a very very good fit. You know, we've seen how close the team pushed New England uh, in the conference championship. I think if you had a quarterback like Kurt Cousins, I think they could have managed that fourth quarter much much better uh, and had the opportunity to, to beat the team and now be playing in the Super Bowl. Kurt Cousins this uh, offseason is the one that I think is the, the most interesting uh, piece off the free agent puzzle. Obviously, there's a lot of good wide receivers on the market with guys like Allen Robinson. Uh, we mentioned to uh, see what happens with Jordy, but the quarterbacks uh, is a very interesting situation you mentioned too with the Vikings. But with Kurt Cousins, how would you see, do you think that is a good fit if we could slot him down there in Jacksonville? I think so. And then that has some sort of carry on effects where we start to look at those Jaguars receivers and what they might do. The reports suggest that they will either sign Allen Robinson to an extension or franchise him, which then you have a cascade down to where we now have Robinson and the young guys who have come on a little bit with Westbrook. And especially, I, I think the most impressive of their players in the last month has been Keelan Cole. So even if they let Marquise Lee go, which I think is the move that they're going to make, they're going to let Lee move on. They may decide to cut Alan Hearns, who has a big cap number and you know not dead cap that would accumulate as a result of, of cutting him. They could end up with a Robinson Westbrook Cole lineup that would be pretty compelling, especially with a good quarterback. It would leave those secondary guys to where they would be interesting fantasy acquisitions, but at the same time still put Robinson to where he could have a huge market share. If you have a, an elite quarterback or even just a competent quarterback, then Robinson could do what we saw uh, DeAndre Hopkins do this season where he jumps right back up into that top six, seven players overall. Yeah. Uh- that, that, that would make yeah, I'm actually getting excited listening to that if you have Alan Robinson Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball and then uh, spreading it around you know Fournette in the backfield and have that defense as well the one part obviously with the, the Jaguars too they, they do need to upgrade that tight end position but they you know they have the defense they could have a really really good offense with a couple of moves and they have that cap space and I think it's a, a no-brainer if they can uh, move away we talked about it uh, myself and Anthony Miko in one of the recap podcasts if you you move away from uh, Blake Bartles, who I think has a, a 19 million uh, fifth year option that would have to be paid this year. And if you move into somebody like Kurt Cousins, even if you're having to pay him 26, 27 million, I think the return on investment there with the way their cap space is uh, just makes a lot of sense. Alex Smith, on the other hand, uh, you can, uh, we t- I touched on the Broncos. I don't think it'll happen because it's in the division. I, I could see uh, Alex Smith ending up uh, possibly with the Cleveland Browns via trade. Obviously, the Browns have a lot of. Uh, picks uh, and cap space to go as well and I think you could have him as a bridge quarterback if they do take another young quarterback or else if they stick with Deshaun Kaiser do you think that's a, a sensible move if you know if we've seen the Browns going with somebody like Alex Smith for 2018? I would hate to see Smith get stuck with the Browns since they <laughs> seem so dysfunctional and and I think Kansas City fans still have some frustration with uh, Dorsey the new GM for Cleveland who that, that's one of the connections people are making is that obviously he was with the Chiefs, and and he made some uh, some savvy acquisitions, some good draft picks with the Chiefs. But you look at, at uh, the different uh, cap calculations on you know uh, over the cap or spot tracks and some of the different sites there, and you always see the Chiefs are dead last in cap space. So one of the things that he did was destroy the Chiefs' cap situation, <laughs> and so I I think we continue to have a lot of questions about the team that the Browns have in place uh, from a brain trust perspective, and so. 
my preference as uh, an Arizona Cardinals fan as well would be that Smith maybe moved over to the Cardinals. He's also been connected to them. Unfortunately, they don't have nearly as much flexibility with what they're doing. You, you have a team there with the Cardinals that has a lot of talent, but they, they have a lot of questions and a quarterback situation they need to address without as much cap space as some of these other teams we've talked about. So in some ways, that might be a longer shot, but that would be a better fit for him with a team that's ready to win now. Yeah, there is a there's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position around the league, but it, it's very very hard to see how they're all going to you know fit in. You mentioned like you know with Darcy and the situation there between the Chiefs and the Browns. There's just a lot of question marks around certain things. I mentioned when I mentioned the Broncos there in division. So there's a lot of things which going to be fun to see how it all shakes out. Was there any other players that uh, caught your eye for uh, free agency? Well, you had mentioned Carlos Hyde, and he's. Uh always I think a little bit of a controversial player I've been down on Hyde and he had an interesting season this season because certainly if you drafted him uh, at his ADP this year you are not complaining in that he finished as as the RB8 which is is a solid finish but then you go back and look at at what he actually did and and he was really the tear break where the seven running backs ahead of him uh, were all league winners of various types. And certainly those very top, you know, there are probably two tier breaks in that just top seven group itself. But his efficiency, again, was very poor. And so in part, you can put that on the the offense and the fact that this is a rebuilding team. But in part, I think you have to put it on Hyde. He has not been as elite a player as some people talk about him this year he was he had the eighth worst uh, rushing fantasy points over expectation among running backs who had at least 500 yards and he also really struggled in his efficiency as a receiver now the thing that he did that really jumped out that i think makes him compelling as a fantasy own in the future is that he really emerged as a receiver so then the question is the landing spot is important not just because it needs to be one where he'll have an opportunity you'd hate for him to land in a situation uh, like we saw with the Vikings last year where they add Latavius Murray and then drafted back over him. I mean, that would be crushing, but even if he lands in a spot where he has some opportunity, you want it to be opportunity where he's going to catch passes. You look at the Shanahan offense and what it does for some of these running backs. And it's really easy to look at uh, Devonte Freeman and Tevin Coleman and see how losing Shanahan hurt them from a fantasy perspective, specifically because it hurt them as receivers. Freeman had averaged over 60 receptions the previous two years and then only hit 36 this past year. Coleman caught four fewer passes than he had the previous season, despite playing in two more games and being more involved in a runner. So he was more of a focal point in the area that actually doesn't get as many fantasy points for you. So when you're looking at Carlos Hyde, you definitely want him to move into an offense where he's number one, the bell cow, but number two, where the offensive coordinator really incorporates the running back in the receiving game as he's now showed the ability to do this, at least to an extent. Yeah, I always tend to look at those uh, running backs that are going to catch the ball, you know, the, the pass catch ones, and he did emerge, as you mentioned. If you look through his first three years uh, in the NFL, he had 50 receptions through those first three years. He had 59 receptions this past year. But I, you mentioned the efficiency. It could have been so much more. He had a couple of games, you know, in the middle of the season where he had 11 targets, and uh, obviously the the production wasn't there from, from it. But, um, you know, 
I, I still see a glimmer of hope there for what we can see what he can do <laughs> moving forward another one I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by uh, I just want to mention as well for uh, this show and for the, the, all the shows on Rotoviz Radio this week are being brought to you by MyBookie they are the official sportsbook of Rotoviz Radio and obviously they've teamed up with us during the season they've teamed up with us for the playoffs they're teaming up with us for the Super Bowl their website is MyBookie.ag they are the number one rated online sportsbook and if you uh, maybe have some things that you fancy you say to your friends you know, I think this is going to happen in the Super Bowl. I think that's going to happen. Such and such, Rob Gronkowski is going to have uh, two touchdowns, 100 yards. If you want to make your own prop, go on over to mybookie.ag and you can pretty much bet on anything up there with their new prop building tool. Uh, pretty much uh, any option you want to bet. So uh, I think that's a, that's great. Just jump on over. Great live bet and a great mobile app. And the website is very, very easy to use. And if you sign up now using our code RV Radio with your first deposit, they will match it with up to a 50% bonus. So 50% bonus with that code RV Radio. The website again is mybookie.ag. And, uh, you know, there's uh, just so many options this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl now. Lots of different uh, line movement, lots of different things with uh, players and props. Is there any player that you're uh, thinking could uh, go under the radar this week? And, uh, you know, you, you'd be interested in picking on one of those lines to have over the yards or over the catches? Nick Foles just was phenomenal last week. So I think you go through and you, you see you know, what your different options might be with Foles. Uh, the Eagles went into the playoffs not even favored in their first game because he had played so poorly to end the season. You lose Carson Wentz, and, and Wentz was a legitimate MVP candidate, probably uh, the biggest breakout player the most important player from the season and then the eagles lose him and, and all of a sudden it seems like the season is over all of a sudden these super bowl dreams have been derailed and then Foles comes out of nowhere and and is a star he backed up alex smith in kansas city and had a couple of games there when he was pressed into duty played extremely well I mean, Foles is a guy who had a 27 touchdown two interception season with chip kelly and depending on how you want to look at that if, if you look at it the way a lot of people do where you say well chip kelly is a joke his offense didn't work um you know he, he's not an nfl coach well it, it actually becomes more impressive the, the Foles went 27 and two uh, with with him as the coach there, and he owns a 61 to 29 you know career touchdown interception ratio, uh, despite also playing the season for Jeff Fisher. So I think we have to start looking at Foles as being the type of quarterback who you know would be an upgrade for you know 10 to 10 to 15 NFL teams. And again, it's it is a, an example of a situation where having a strong backup is a big deal in the NFL. And, and certainly he's one of the guys you, you look at what the Vikings did with case Keenum, having those guys who can be strong, strong backups, you know, that makes a big difference. Uh, before we go more into the Super Bowl, though, I'd like to ask you what's, what's your favorite bet from uh, all of these different options that you can choose from. I always like uh, looking and, you know, you mentioned Nick Foles. I like to, if you think somebody's, it's a bit like playing DFS. You think somebody's, uh, you know, maybe on the unfavored side and you look to see what they can do. Guys like Aguilar hasn't had a huge playoffs. If you can get him on over the yards or over the catches, I think there's interest and uh, moves to be made there. I do like to, I, I like to go straight up line bet and, you know, you know, go take the points or lay the points. And sometimes then if you're looking at the props, if you think, I was really close last year uh, in the Super Bowl with the uh, Atlanta Falcons against the Patriots, with the Patriots being favored 
in that one and I went with uh, a minus 10 spread for the Atlanta Falcons I think it might have been 6 to 1 at the time and it was looking really really good obviously as the game progressed and then all fell apart on me so sometimes I like to go for those kind of extreme ones just to have a little bit of fun if I do like a team uh, that's maybe the underdog then to win outright and then to just like push it a little bit further it's always interesting to do that but I think in this game you know I mentioned uh, pushing it a little bit further I think you mentioned Nick Foles I think that the game and the game plan here is going to be very very interesting from both teams but I think the way the Eagles will set up schematically in this one's going to be tough for the Patriots I was extremely extremely impressed not just by the offensive side of the ball uh you know for the for the um Eagles against the, the Minnesota Vikings I thought defensively they were absolutely superb uh, cer- certain plays they obviously had scouted very similar to what the Patriots do where they motion the w- back out wide or into the slot and then they take them back just to see the coverage and we've seen against the, the Vikings at the Eagles a couple of times obviously had this set up and without even having to audible on defense they moved a player out moved them back in and then the you know it was a, a, a maybe a four or five man blitz that obviously wasn't exactly what uh, Case Keenum had expected to come towards him so there was a couple of situations in the game and I think that they're lines up then again I think up front both sides of the ball I think the offensive line of the Eagles is better and I think the defensive line of the Eagles is better so I think a lot of people are going in obviously if Tom Brady he is obviously the best quarterback in this match uh, that there uh, there's no debate not there but I think up front it's gonna be a really tough match for the Patriots on both sides of the ball I, th- I think like rightly they are favorite but I think the Eagles and if you want to push it a little bit on the on the spread and maybe take them minus three or you know maybe even all the way up to minus seven and uh, get a little bit of extra action on there I think that's uh, an interesting way to look at it hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Well, I have the Eagles 27-24 in this one. What what would be your game pick? Yeah, I I feel it'll be very, very similar. Um, I I just... I can't see the Patriots winning that uh, at the line of scrimmage, and that is such an important part of the game. People, you know, you can look at the quarterback, you can look at the running back, look at the receivers, but if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, and we've seen even uh, on foals and a couple of those deep shots, the amount of time he had. So I, I think similar to you, but I'm going to go uh, thirty to twenty-four for the uh, for for the <laughs> for the Eagles, and uh, maybe we see Nick Foles uh, somehow getting himself that Super Bowl MVP. That would be awesome. I, I don't root against the Patriots as much as I do against most of the teams. Like, you know, I, we talked on Rotovis Radio in the past how Central Florida was the was the real national champion in college football this year. And, and certainly I think having Alabama win those games doesn't uh, give a good feeling to anybody. I, I think the Patriots, even though they've run into controversy with some of the things that they've done, uh, they're such a model franchise and they do so many things the right way. And they incorporate so many of the different elements that you would like to see, whether it's good play calling, whether it's building out your entire organization and being able to continually lose coaching talent to other teams, not just free agent talent, which obviously the best teams obviously 
they do, but you lose coaching talent all the time, but they're building that out and they're going to have replacements who come in and also do the job. I think that because of that, they're easier to root for because I would like to see more NFL teams act in a more competent manner because it would create an environment where the games are more fun. I think if you're an NFL fan, this was a difficult year because there were so many teams, especially in the AFC, that were functioning at such a low level that you just really want them to get their act together. And so in a scenario here where you have the Patriots as such a positive role model, not in terms of the way they act, uh, but in all of the things that they do from a football perspective. And so I don't have as much of a problem with with the evil empire winning this as I would if, if I didn't think they were so valuable to the NFL trying to show the way to these other teams make the NFL more fun again. Yeah, I I always try and look at it, uh, you know, from a neutral perspective. I never try and go in one side or the other. I know the Patriots have won, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, and, and they've really dominated over the last kind of seventeen years. But when you look at it, you know, I think they deserve to. They're so consistent. The uh, you know, you mentioned the analytics side of it. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into it, and they have been so uh, dominant from that point of view. But there's a lot of people out there just think, you know, the Patriots, you know, they win every year, it makes it boring. Well, somebody else should go and stop them from winning it, and uh, maybe this year it will be the Eagles. But the Eagles have just uh, you know transitioned throughout the season so so well they lost Jason Peters early in the season on week seven they acquired JJ in week eight and then obviously Carson Wentz went down in week 14 so so many different things and you know prior to uh, the the conference championship game against the Eagles we had all the information about Nick Foles can't throw the deep ball he can't hit you know the, the right hand quadrant quadrant of the field with accuracy and then obviously he goes and he he absolutely dominates in that one so sometimes uh, as well we might uh, start to look at Nick Foles like the you know the best quarterback of all time after one performance it'll be somewhere in the middle of what he did when he wasn't good and when he uh, when he obviously produced what he did two weeks ago I don't think we're going to see what he did two weeks ago again but game planning specifics you know I meant we talked about Alex Smith earlier but you know a lot of the the stuff that they run with the Eagles is kind of like what Andy Reid is running there with the Chiefs and uh, Doug Peterson has just had a really good key on game planning this season they've done really well on third down their problem has been that they've got into third down a lot of times and they've just managed to get themselves out of it over and over again Uh, they were the seventh uh best team in efficiency in terms of running the ball this year and the Patriots then were the second worst allowing 4.6 yards per carry so running the running game here could be very interesting we've seen week 17 they pretty much shut JJ down we've seen in the playoffs now that they've worked him in back-to-back games with Nick Foles in there so I think we're going to see him involved heavily I think the running game is going to be a big big key here for the Eagles I think we'll see LeGarrette Blunt as well and we've seen Corey Clement being shuffled in there as well so I think the run game that they're kind of the the hogs if we want to call them that up front for the for the Eagles are going to cause major major problems here for the Patriots do you think that's one of the the real keys to the game here is the the battle up front definitely the battle up front it can be interesting to see what the Patriots decide to do because the big difference between this Eagles team and the Chiefs team that you mentioned obviously Peterson coming from that uh, system is just that the, the Eagles have a lot better passing personnel they have about a lot more depth so they can do a lot more things to you in the passing game if you have Ertz you have Jeffrey you have someone like Torrey Smith who's not necessarily that well thought of but can certainly take uh, the top off the defense and we saw him really score what would be the nail touchdown uh, last week in in the championship game there they have Nelson Aguilar emerging I think they're very difficult to stop and I think that the Patriots have a situation as you've mentioned where they're just simply not as good overall 
and to where the game comes down, needs to come down to them, to this battle between Nick Foles and Tom Brady. And I think one of the things that you can do with that a little bit is the Patriots will again employ their bend but don't break style of defense where they don't try and put too much pressure on any one player. And I almost think that they may decide to sort of egg the the Eagles into running the ball because the more running plays that you have, the more third downs you end up facing, the more plays you have to have in a drive in order to score a touchdown. And so I, I can see the the Patriots really sitting back, letting the Eagles run the ball against them, you know, to an extent and saying, you know, if you have to do a 10, 12, 15 play drive and you have to do it over and over in the game, then we feel more comfortable with that than giving you these big strikes to some of the really talented receivers the Eagles have. You know, certainly the Patriots don't want to get way behind against this caliber of defense and you know if they keep the game close then it goes down to Tom Brady at the end and we saw last year in the Super Bowl we saw just last week uh, in the AFC championship game that in the fourth quarter with Tom Brady they're going to feel comfortable if they can stay in the game to that point then uh, the game probably swings to their favor yeah and you mentioned there as well you know they might, they might like play a little bit more of a prevent defense don't give up that big play over the top because we've seen the vikings they give up that touchdown to tory smith you mentioned they give up the big play to uh alshon jeffrey and maybe the patriots like you mentioned they allow those shorter passes and say right nick Foles today we're uh, like we're going to hopefully pick you off a couple of times based on you have to make those decisions and make those reads and be able to execute uh you know under pressure so we'll see what happens there it's uh, i think it sets up for a fascinating matchup i think it's uh, a lot lot closer than a lot of the kind of most people the the kind of maybe the the neutral or the the people who aren't really focused in on what these teams have been doing all season i think the eagles have been really really tremendous i think if we had a case here where carson wentz was the starting quarterback for the eagles i think there's a strong possibility that we would see the eagles favorite here in the super bowl it really comes down to the best team i think on paper is the eagles the best quarterback is tom brady and then obviously the narrative goes with the the, the patriots being the better of the two teams so have you anything else that you, you want to add in uh, about the super bowl prior to wrapping it up here sean i don't think so just that this one is is going to be fantastic like a lot of the recent ones have been this this could be a very fitting uh, sequel to last year's patriots falcons game yeah and uh, luckily enough we haven't had any major major blowouts last year luckily it was gonna be a blowout in one way and obviously then the Patriots came back and won it so we've had quite competitive uh, Super Bowls in recent years you know if you think back to some of the the 1990s uh, Super Bowls there was some real real blowouts and it was over very early so hopefully we do get a competitive one into the fourth quarter and uh, it's going to be I, I always like, you know, uh, you know you have the Patriots there who have won it so many times uh, in recent years, and then you have the, the Eagles looking to go and grab themselves a championship. So I would like to see the kind of the underdog uh, win and go through, and uh, it's going to be, it's just going to be very, very fascinating. We, you know, you look at Nick Foles was uh, kind of cast aside. People said, the, the, including myself, I said that Nick Foles wouldn't be able to produce three games in a row in the playoffs to be able to win the Super Bowl. I'll hold my hands up and say that I said that on multiple podcasts, and and, uh, you know, he didn't have to do a lot against the Falcons. He did a lot in the last one. We'll see what he does in this one. But I, I think now at this stage, uh, with one game there, all is to play for and anything can happen uh, in this one when you have uh, Foles at the quarterback position. So big, big uh, opportunity to write his name down as a, as a legend in the NFL. So we'll see what happens. But that's uh, going to do us for today's edition of Rotoviz Radio. My name's Colin Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Special thanks to Sean again for uh, jumping or asking me to jump aboard the podcast here and have this obviously with pat uh, on vacation so you can follow sean on twitter at ff underscore contrarian have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Rotobiz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotobiz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotobizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotobiz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotobiz at a 30% discount through the Rotobiz Radio homepage, rotobiz.com forward slash podcast. AAA Auto Insurance isn't just about protecting metal and glass. It's about the people inside the car. Did you check the tires? Uh. That's why AAA Insurance offers the benefits of a AAA membership, like roadside assistance. We're gonna need it. Yes, we are. And the ability to renew your vehicle registration at most AAA branches. Even better. Plus, member savings when you bundle your auto and home insurance. I could use AAA right now. Join today at AAA.com. Get great auto insurance and more to outsmart the road. AAA. Outsmart life. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.